Hey guys, this is John Barksell, and I just want to tell you, if you haven't listened to the Three Ball Podcast, you're missing out on a host that's headed for brighter lights and bigger things. Galt Goldman has a plethora of accurate statistics, and his sports acumen, acumen is second to none. Look out, Stephen A., Skip, Pollock, Cowherd, Patrick. He's next. Catch him now so you can say you were there in the beginning. Hello, and welcome back to the Three Ball Podcast. Today, we got a lot to talk about. A lot, a lot to talk about, actually. So, let's start off. All right, so the Saints released Jared Cook. Uh, NFL experts say there should be a lot of cuts. We'll be talking about that. Cody Rhodes said that Pat McAfee is trying to get a job at AEW every other day. Uh, TJ McConnell got a triple-double last night with points, assists, and steals. Congrats to him. Uh, speaking of the Pacers, we're going to be talking about, was it a mistake to fire Nate McMillan? Uh, the Timberwolves fired Ryan, Ryan Saunders like a couple weeks ago. I'll be kind of be talking about that a little bit. Uh, the Kings beat the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers didn't have LeBron, but we're still going to be talking about it. And maybe Luke Walton might be gone. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. signed with the Brewers. Who's the best boxer all time? Did he live up to the hype? We got a special one today. And we also have an AEW review of last night. Um, all right, so let's start. Saints released Jared Cook as a Saints fan. Very happy about this. I hated Jared Cook. Not the person, the football player. Uh, he always decided to screw up in key moments. He either fumbled, dropped passes. I don't know what's up with the dude. Personally, I disliked him a lot in New Orleans. I wish we never signed him. Uh, so, yeah, that was a crappy attempt at the Saints trying to do something to help Breeze. If Jared Cook doesn't fumble in the in the game against the Buccaneers, we win the game. So congrats to Jared Cook on costing the Saints a trip to the Super Bowl, possibly, and ruining Drew Brees' what I wanted Drew Brees' last year to be. But now I hope the dude comes back because we need Drew. Uh, so yeah. Um, Speaking of cuts, the most NFL experts say that there are going to be a lot of cuts this year. Uh, they said it's going to be like a frenzy. So I'm wondering who the cuts are going to be. Are we going to see some legends of some franchises get cut? Um, are we going to see some lifelong players for a franchise get cut? Is Patrick Peterson definitely gone? There's going to be some interesting people who might be gone. Uh, the Bear. Ugh. Oh, sorry. I know the Bears aren't getting rid of Nick Foles because they said Nick Foles was the man. <laughs> uh, maybe the Jacks cut Gardner Minshew. You never know. Um, so now let's move on. Cody Rhodes said that uh, former uh, uh, Pro Bowler, pro bowler uh, punter Pat McAfee is trying to get a job at AEW every other day. Do I think this is true? Hell no. Why would Pat McAfee want to go to AEW? AEW might be the worst run company I've ever seen in my life. I'll be talking about that later in the podcast when we go over the AEW review. But geez, I mean, I know they get some viewers, but oh, it's just, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, man, McAfee was amazing on NXT, though. I do, NXT kind of sucks in general. In my opinion, it kind of sucks. I can't watch two hours of NXT. It's just not. It's just not it for me. I don't know. People love NXT because they love that up and coming young talent. Uh, I'm not a casual fan. I would say because I I watch a lot of wrestling, 
But godly, I need to see it. somebody with star power at on NXT. AEW has some star power. That's the only reason I watch it. NXT don't have any star power. And I know it's a developmental brand. Godly. McAfee was entertaining on it, and he brought some star power to it. And then they let him go. So um, hopefully McAfee wants to sign Impact Wrestling, because the Impact floor is that. Um... TJ McConnell, he got a triple-double the other night. The Pacers won, so congrats to the Pacers. Uh, he had, like, 16 points, 11 assists, and 10 steals. He had 9 steals in the first half. Very good game from TJ McConnell. So, yeah, very good for him. Uh, now, was it a mistake for the Pacers to fire Nate McMillan? Yes! The Pacers suck. They're, uh, they're 16 and 18, currently out of the playoffs. I do believe Nate McMillan won like 45 games in each of his years last year with injuries on the court without his best player in Victor Oladipo. Now, obviously, this year, um, the Pacers are continuing their trend, and somehow they don't have the, the somehow the full roster is not healthy. Um, Pacers are going to miss the playoffs this year, I think, and. Are we going to look back and say, well, damn, it looks like Nate McMillan knew what he was doing. Or are they just going to do it as an excuse? Oh, we were tanking. Yeah, sure. On those Nate McMillan, this team would be a five seed or four seed in the playoffs. Um, just like they were every single year. In the playoffs, you unfortunately do need your star players to play. And unfortunately for the Pacers, they were always injured. So, yeah. Um. It definitely was a mistake for the Pacers to get rid of the man Nate McMillan. The Timberwolves fired Ryan Saunders a couple, like a week ago, a couple weeks ago. Really didn't talk about it, I don't think, so I'm going to talk about it now. Uh, the Timberwolves' problem isn't the coach. The Timberwolves' problem is is the, uh, is it the front office? Who knows? They can't stay healthy. Ryan Saunders, he never even had a full year of coaching. The first year he took over, he took over for Tom Thibodeau halfway through the year. Not even a full season. The next year it's COVID, so he didn't even get to coach 82 games, to be honest. And then the third year, he gets fired not even halfway through the year. I don't know what you want the dude to do. He didn't coach a full year of basketball with a team that could stay healthy. Carl Anthony Towns can't stay healthy. I know last year his... Uh, or his mom died of COVID, so I know he took a lot of time off because of that. But even besides Cat, they can't stay healthy. You can't be expected to win basketball games if your team's not healthy. I know one big complaint for Timberwolves fans this year was that he played Ricky Rubio too much. Ricky Rubio is one of the last true point guards in the NBA. You need an offense run, you put Ricky Rubio in. And I'd like to ask this to Timberwolves fans, who would you rather see run the one? D'Angelo Russell isn't a one. He's a two. Like, there there aren't that many ones in the NBA, and if you have a, one, a true one, then you need to play him. Same way the Suns play Chris Paul. Chris Paul's a true one. That's why he plays. Um, The Kings beat the Lakers the other night. Uh, the Lakers did not have LeBron James. Uh, it was still a close game even without LeBron. I, got, I ain't got a clue what the Kings... The Kings... They just make a lot of draft. They just make a lot of bad draft choices. Um, Marvin taking Marvin Bagley the third was definitely not a good choice. Uh, Should have just took Luca, man. But I'm happy my Mavs got Luca. Dude, I don't know what's up with that. They signed Harrison Barnes to a. They signed Harrison Barnes. Who in the hell wanted Harrison Barnes for like four years? 
with a bunch of money tied up in him. What? Why? Why, 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 why? I know the Mavs did it, but geez, I, I don't know why we did that either. <laughs> the Kings obviously didn't learn anything from it. Um, so yeah. Luke Walton's probably gonna get fired after this year. I don't think I don't even think it's Luke Walton's fault the team sucks. The team is just one of those teams that isn't that good. They have talent on the roster, they just don't play well. I don't know why. Honestly, ain't nobody watching no Kings games, so I can tell you. I'm not watching a Kings game to tell you what's exactly wrong with the team. Um, it, honestly, it, it might be the coaching. I haven't watched a Kings game to tell you if it is the coaching. But this, the team, the, on paper, the team's there. Same way it is with the Falcons. I, am, I know it's two completely different sports, but the Falcons... On paper, look like a pretty good team that should make the playoffs. The Kings, on paper, look like a team that should at least get the eight seed in the playoffs, and they just don't. I couldn't tell you why. Can't I don't watch no Kings games. The Kings games don't come on TV. I don't live in Sacramento, so I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> ja- uh, former Boston Red Sox outfielder Jackie Bradley Jr. signed a contract with the Milwaukee Brewers. It's like two years, twenty four million dollars, something like that. Uh, which is $12 million a year, if that's correct. Um, so, that, I mean, he's a good outfielder. He improved his hitting a little bit this year. Uh, but, huh. you gotta remember, the season was a lot shorter this season. He didn't play 162 games, so his average increase could just be because he, he there were less games for him to strike out in or not get hits in. Um, the Brewers, uh, I'm not a Brewers fan, but I'm a big fan of Ryan Braun, so I always kind of root for the Brewers if, uh, if they're not playing the Athletics or the Yankees, but, uh, so congrats to, uh, the Brewers, they signed Jackie Bradley Jr., I don't know if it's actually gonna help them, I don't know how much you can, in baseball, uh, who even knows, man, baseball's a weird game, you can have a great team on paper and they just don't win, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and then you can have crappy teams on paper like the like the OG Athletics and that Moneyball. You could have a crappy team on paper and then win a hundred games. Like that don't make no sense. Baseball is a random game. It's completely random half the time. So yeah. Um, now uh, this is my obviously my opinion. Uh, moving on to the next topic is who is the best boxer of all time. Um. Wow, that's a tough one. Uh, Actually, it's not a tough one for me. It's Roy Jones Jr. The man didn't lose a round of boxing for like five straight years. Um, He never lost a... He lost one fight in his prime. That was because of disqualification. Um, He never got knocked down in his prime. He never got knocked out in his prime. He never lost a fight in his prime unless it was by disqualification. Muhammad Ali lost to like Leon Spinks. Who in the blue... World is Leon Spinks. You gotta look him up, I guess. Um, also, you you got people, uh, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson couldn't even knock out. He couldn't even win a fight against fifty year old Roy, who can't move and is out of shape. So like, yeah, Mike ain't that good. And Mike lost all the big matches that he had against Vander, and then he tried to bite the dude's ear off because he wasn't gonna win. Jeez, man. Uh. 
and Buster Douglas happened, so I guess that's there too, Buster Douglas. Uh, I definitely think Roy is, if you, if you really want to look at it, most people would classify Roy as the perfect fighter. He had the skill, uh, the agility, the punch power. Uh, he moved up divisions too many times, though I wouldn't, Roy shouldn't have moved up divisions a lot. He just should have stuck to his original one, or he, and he would have never lost, I can tell you that. Um, Floyd, uh, obviously Floyd can, you can make a case for Floyd undefeated. Very cool. Very, uh, very good fighter. Best defensive boxer we've ever seen in boxing. Uh, and put on some, I'll put on some great clinics of boxing. But I'm going to stick with my boy Roy Jones Jr. I wish I could get him on the podcast. That'd be pretty fun. Um, now, let's move on to the did he live up to the hype topic, uh, segment. Dun, 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 dun. I should really add some music for it. I might do that. We'll see. <laughs> well, you'll be able to see, not me. Uh, so, the, did he live up to the hype? Now, let's go. We're <laughs> this week. We're talking about Eli Manning. Did he live up to the hype? Um, number one pick, uh, forced his way out of San Diego, and uh, found his way in New York. So we're gonna read the scouting report on Eli from the Giants front office um they said he wore this was a random game that they went to i couldn't i couldn't find like a real scouting report of him i could only find like what (laughs) this scouting guy for the uh the giants said about him when he went to watch him he said he wore a left knee brace during pregame warm-up didn't look like he had a rocket arm as the game progressed he saw an excellent arm uh, strength under pressure and the ability to get velocity on the ball on most throws. Good deep ball range, good touch, good vision, and good poise. He's, they said uh, he sees the field very well. And his shotgun, he's in shotgun on most plays, and his only running option is a draw. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, his offensive line is poor. Well, that continued in the NFL, honestly, for the tail end of his career. Uh, redshirt freshman left tackle. Eli doesn't trust his protection. Well, well, Eli really never trusted his protection that much. Uh, there's no way he can take any form of a deep drop and look downfield with without running, uh, because they don't have a running game. Uh, the first half, or the, apparently in this game, Old Miss had ten yards rushing in the first half. They said he had no real receivers. That almost continued in the NFL, but my boy David Tyree kind of saved him. <laughs> um, uh, they said he stuck with three-step drops and waiting till the last second to see if a receiver can get open. They said he got no tight end. This just seems like almost... I mean, this is the SEC back in the day. What, what did you expect? I mean, hey, whatever. Um... He said there's no flaring back. He's taking a lot of big hits. Uh, he said they carried an overmatched team entirely on his shoulders. Oh, he did have David Cutcliffe. Let's not act like he didn't have no coaching genius people. Uh, they said uh, Old Miss is outmatched in every freaking game except for Vanderbilt. Uh, uh, I do believe he won the game. Or 
I don't know. They say he threw like three interceptions. Of course, two of them weren't the, weren't his fault. So let's just go to the summary. They said he he's the complete package. No, he's not. He's not going to be a fast runner. True, but a little like Joe Montana. I don't think so. He has enough athletic ability to get out of trouble. Remember how Archie ran in that department? Eli doesn't have the best genes. Although I never timed his mom, Olivia, in the 40, but he has a feel for in the pocket. Feels feels the rush, throws the ball, takes the hit, gets right back up. Has courage and poise. My opinion, most of all, he has the quality that you can't define, call it magic. Ah. <sighs> Well, and of course they're going to say they talk about Peyton and said Peyton has much better talent around him at Tennessee. But I honestly give this guy a chance to be better than his brother. They said Eli is going to be better than Peyton. Eli doesn't get much help from the coaching staff. If he comes out early, we should move up to take him. Well, they just said David Cutcliffe sucks and that... Eli is going to be better than Peyton. Uh, so, his career completion percentage is 60.3. It's barely over 60. Not very good. He led the league in interceptions three times. That's the Jay Cutler type status right there. Um, he In 2013, he threw more interceptions than touchdowns. That's some Jameis Winston type crap right there. Um, I know a lot of people have described Eli as the definition of an average quarterback. Uh, whether you agree with that, you can do whatever you think. Um, was he the best quarterback in his draft class? No. Was he the second best quarterback in his draft class? Not really. Or you can make a case for it that he wasn't. But he's the third best quarterback in his draft class. Is he better than Peyton? No. What was his comparison? Well, from what I read, it was just Joe Montana. Not really. Um, wasn't really Joe Montana either. Did he live up to the hype? The answer is no. Um, ben Roethlisberger still playing at a pretty high level. Say Big Ben was the best quarterback in that draft class. Um, Philip Rivers played longer than Eli and definitely played better than Eli in every season. I would say. I don't think Eli's the second best quarterback in the draft class. Is Eli better than J.P. Lawsman? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Shout out to J.P. Lawsman, though. That man kind of was a baller in Madden 08 for me. Uh, but Eli's the third best quarterback in the draft class. J.P. Lawsman can go four, I guess. Um, but I don't think Eli lifted up to the hype. He won two Super Bowls, uh, mostly because of a defense, I'd say. The defense was definitely the contributing part to winning the Super Bowl. David Tyree also had a big part in that. Uh, most of you want to forget that David Tyree actually caught a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl and then made the helmet catch in the same Super Bowl. So that was really good for David Tyree. Um, I will say Eli is not average. He's better than average. But I don't think he lived up to the exact hype that the Giants scout wrote about him. I mean, he wasn't better than his brother, but now it's very hard to top. I don't think he... Obviously, he wasn't better than Joe Montana. Not better than his brother. Third best quarterback in his draft class. I don't think he was average quarterback, so to say. He was better than average. Good good quarterback in the NFL. But I think the expectations were great in the NFL. And I don't think he was ever great in the NFL. Just very good. So, in that case, the verdict is he did not live up to the hype. Just like Andrew Luck, we have two people 
so far in the Did He Live Up to the Hype series, who did not live up to the hype. Um, I should probably change the, to- change the segment title from Did He Live Up to the Hype to Did They, because I'm, I'm probably going to do uh, female basketball players at some point. Uh, like Brittany Grinder, I'm probably going to do her. Um, depending, I can't do Brianna Stewart yet just because Brianna Stewart is still playing and very early into her career. But I think we can definitely do uh, Brittany Grinder, who's toward the end of her career, I'd say. So we're going to do all sorts of people. Um, you guys can give me suggestions for these. Um, but if there are people like freaking, if you'd give me Tom Brady, Tom Brady was a six round pick and he didn't have any hype to live up to. So I'm not going to do Tom Brady. I'm not going to do people like Greg Oden. Greg Oden was injury plagued. Obviously he didn't live up to the hype. Uh, well actually no, I will do Greg Oden because I did do Andrew Luck. So I'm not going to pick and choose just because I like Greg Oden more than Andrew Luck. So I will do Greg Oden if somebody mentions it. Um... But I'll I'll try to do a lot of people that you guys give me. They just they have to be first round picks in the NFL, first round picks in basketball, first round picks in baseball. Yeah, I don't you can't give me some sixth round pick in football. You can't give me Antonio Brown and tell me, well, Antonio Brown's a sixth round pick, of course he didn't have any hype to live up to. They gotta be first round picks. So you guys can give me suggestions for it. And I will definitely do it. I'll do my research on them, do get the scouting report on them, and I will go ahead and do those. Uh, you guys can give me uh, Brian Bosworth. Brian Bosworth might be next week's, to be honest, just because I'm a big fan of the boss. I like the boss. The, we might have three. We're probably going to have three straight people. Did they live up to the hype? And they will not live up to the hype. So l- now let's move on to the last topic of the day. AEW Shaquille O'Neal was wrestling. Uh, they had the big diesel, the big diesel Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, so they Shaq actually led, started the show off. Uh, we had Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet. Um, so the storyline here is that Red Velvet is standing up for Brandy Rhodes. Brandy Rhodes was written off a of TV with an arm injury. Then she got pregnant in real life, so they had to write her off again. Uh, just with the pregnancy, and apparently Brandy is Red Velvet's mentor or whatever, and then they, those two were going up against Jade and Shaq, uh, Jade, former women's basketball player, former WNBA player, and Shaq, you know, he's the big diesel, so Cody got that big entrance for Mitt Carter, I don't even like Cody that much, but okay, uh, Shaq actually looked really good in this match for a celebrity, uh, Shaq was actually doing moves, which is cool, uh, he surprised me much how Dennis Rodman did at Bash at the Beach when he first showed up. And it was like, I can't remember the exact, I, I believe it was Hogan and Rodman versus Diamond Dallas Page and somebody else. Uh, that wasn't the match with Carl Malone in it. Uh, that was the next year's Bash at the Beach and that match was awful because Rodman didn't, or Rodman wasn't good in that match. He was drunk. Um. But uh, I know Red Velvet missed a kick during this. Uh, Jade looked pretty good. Uh, Shaq got hit with the chair, but he didn't feel anything during the match. And he beat up everyone. Uh, And then Red Velvet did a a really nice moonsault off the top rope. But it's one of those spots where, you know, everybody's just standing up and looking. And then she does the moonsault. And it really makes wrestling look even more fake than it is. Because you got a bunch of people just standing there waiting for somebody to jump. Um... 
Arn Anderson was at ringside because I guess he just follows Cody Rhodes around all the time. So Jade uh, used the figure four, which is Ric Flair's finisher, and they were in the Four Horsemen together. Um, once again, tag matches in AEW. There are no rules, no countouts, and no DQs. Um, Cody no sold a powerbomb, uh, and then he tried to do. He picked up Shaq and tried to do the Hulk Hogan body slam. So I guess Cody's Hulk Hogan now. I really don't know. Uh, Shaq went through a table, which should have been a DQ because they never told me in the rules that this was a no disqualification match. Um, but okay. Uh, and Red Velvet apparently hit a spear, but they didn't even show it on TV. They were too busy showing Shaq dead through the tables. <laughs> uh, and the spear is apparently Brandy Rhodes' finisher too, and I can't... I couldn't imagine Brandy Rhodes hitting a spear. Whatever. Um, or sorry, I couldn't imagine Brandy winning a match off a spear. <laughs> uh, Jade and Shaq won, and Shaq went to the hospital storyline, obviously. And they loaded them up in the ambulance. He was on the way to the hospital. Then Tony Schiavone goes through the door, and Shaq's not there anymore. So, yeah, that's how that storyline went off. So then we had Pac, not Tupac, the the man formerly known as Neville in the WWE. He goes by Pac now, or Pac. And it's Pac and Ray Phoenix versus two no-names. They didn't tell me who the two dudes in the ring were, so I just wrote them down as two no-names. They told me their names later in the match, but I didn't care at this point. You didn't tell me their names, and then it didn't help that Pac and Ray Phoenix completely killed them. So, these two guys are jobbers, in my opinion. And it was a good squash match. I like Pac, just honestly. Uh, the Inner Circle had a press conference for some apparent reason. Apparently, last week, I didn't watch AEW, to be honest. Uh, and they attacked Papa Buck, which is the Young Buck's dad. So, we had a press conference that nobody asked for. Um, everyone in the crowd, which is the 1,000 people there, is singing Jericho's song. Uh, it's called... Judas by Fozzie. It's called Judas, and of course, it's by Jericho's band Fozzie. Pretty good song. I like it. But everybody's singing it, and they're acting like this is the greatest song ever. I wouldn't really sing along to it. Uh, but okay, you know, to each is their own. Um, Chris completely lied in this press conference and said MJF probably... He's really good on the mic, but I really don't really like him that much. He said the NGF was better than The Rock in the big show. Okay, buddy. Sure, 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 sure. Whatever you say. Um, and MJF, he he got the cheap pop. He used the classic you people line. But instead of people, it was you schmucks. Ah, man. We just find ways to get the cheap pops going, don't we? Um, then Eric Bischoff came up because they had these random people asking him questions. Eric Bischoff comes up here. And Eric Bischoff's apparently an AEW now, I guess. And this is like WCW, but worse, in my opinion. Because they're just running the same freaking... They getting the old dudes from WCW. But they don't have the talent roster of 2011 TNA. Like... TNA had Kurt Angle, Good Sting, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. They had legend Elijah Burke, okay, the Pope. They had all these stars. Jay Lethal, another one. Austin Creed. They had all the homicide, suicide. Like they had all these stars. It failed, of course, because it's TNA. Um, 
and AEW is kind of running the same stuff here, but they don't have the star power. Unfortunately, ain't nobody care about the Young Bucks. No, like casual fans don't give a crap about the Young Bucks. Casual fans don't give a crap about Kenny Omega. They kind of know who John Moxley is because if they watch WWE, they know who Dean Ambrose is. Like they know who Chris Jericho is. Ain't nobody give a crap about MJF. Like you just gotta, man. AW's not doing a good job here. But uh, Eric Bischoff comes out and asks him a question. The Young Bucks come out. And they say, their father, of course, they did the promo about their father. They're like, our father was an amazing man. Acting like he's dead. Uh, he's not dead. Uh, he's like, our father built a wrestling ring with his bare hands. And then they turn around to everybody in the world because everybody's watched. If you're a wrestling fan, you've watched Shawn Michaels do this 3,000 times. He turned, they, both the Young Bucks turn around, they start walking back, and then they super kick him. Whoa, everybody in the world saw that coming, except MJF and Chris Jericho, apparently, who just stood there and waited, waited for it. And then AEW is wasting the Impact Partnership completely, and I don't know why in the world they're doing it. AEW has so much potential with this Impact partnership and i just don't understand why uh the only people they use from the impact partnership is the good brothers the good brothers are probably the most boring part about impact wrestling besides tony khan coming on and telling us that to watch AEW. like come on <laughs> So, uh, but uh, uh, the Good Brothers are here. The Young Bucks still kind of suck, even though they did put on a good show. Uh, and then are they? Impact's doing not Impact. I just uh, assume it's Impact because it's stupid. But AEW is using one of the weirdest and dumbest storylines ever. So they have the Good Brothers helping out the Young Bucks. The Good Brothers helping out Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega helping out the Young Bucks. This makes no sense. The Young Bucks are faces. They're good guys, to put it in simpler terms. Kenny Omega's a bad guy or a heel. The Good Brothers are heels. Why are the Good Brothers helping faces? Why is Kenny Omega helping faces? I get it, they're friends, but this doesn't make any sense. At least Impact's running a half-decent storyline with uh, Matt, Cord uh, Matt Cordona, a.k.a. Zack Ryder, and Brian Myers, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins. Two best friends, former best friends. One of them's face, one of them is heel. You can't just run a storyline with 13 different people or whatever. And some of them are good guys, some of them are bad guys. They all help each other out. The story doesn't intertwine with anything. Uh, whatever. Um, so then we move, we move on to FTR, which is not... Oh, my God. FTR, which is a tag team, a.k.a. the Revival from WWE, or whatever, and Tully Blanchard versus Jurassic Express. So, fun fact, Tully Blanchard's 67 years old. And he actually doesn't look that bad, to be honest. Um. Uh, so then, Tully Blanchard's friend, JJ, slipped him his shoe, or slipped a shoe to one of the guys from the Revival, and they hit one of the dudes from Jurassic Express with the shoe, and then they acted like that was going to get a three count, but whatever. Um, also, 
once again, here we go. One of my big problems with AEW. Why can't I just have normal commercial breaks? Why do I have to sit through the commercial break and watch the match on a on a second screen? Down uh, down below. Commercial breaks are used so people could go to the bathroom, get something to drink, get some food. I don't want to have to sit through a commercial break to keep watching a match. Just cut the commercial. I don't want to see the commercial breaks. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and of course, there's no rules on these tag team matches. Also, they they brought up that we should get the AEW Casino. It's because it's on the App Store. I'm not getting it. Um, one of the dudes from FTR hits a German suplex, and the ref possibly had the slowest count ever. I could have counted the three faster than that, but whatever. And uh, it wasn't even a three count, to be honest. He kicked out at two and a half. Uh, Tully Blanchard hit a nice slingshot suplex. Uh, one of the cameramen is helping FTR now, a.k.a. the Revival. Tully Blanchard won the match. Okay, a 67-year-old just buried young talent, to my opinion, because every anytime Goldberg comes back and wins a match, it's Goldberg's burying young talent. The Undertaker, he comes back. He buries young talent. John Cena buried young talent. Well, John Cena actually did. Whatever. 67-year-old Tully Blanchard just pinned young talent, and I don't hear anybody saying anything about it. Tully Blanchard freaking just pinned one of the dudes from Jurassic Express. I didn't hear anything about it. And then we found out who the fourth member is. It's Jobber, Sean Spears, a.k.a. the Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger. He's the new member. And Arn Anderson comes out and throws out the four. Like, these guys are supposed to be the next four horsemen. Ah, Sean Spears, I hadn't been on TV in six months, and he was a jobber before that. He was a jobber in WWE. You can't just turn jobbers into star people. Well, you can. WWE did it with Jinder Mahal. It's kind of behind it because I know why they did it. They were trying to get those ratings because they brought in the uh, the Indian market. What does Sean Spears actually bring to the table? Why are we just all of a sudden going to treat him like he's important? He hadn't been on TV in like six months. He wasn't important anywhere else he's been. I, don't, I mean, the Perfect 10 thing, I guess, was cool, but it wore off. He's not entertaining, and we just throw him out there. Anyways, Tony Schiavone uh, came out, and the big show's here. Um, well, sorry, Paul White's here. Um, Tony Schiavone reminds us that they have AW Dark Elevation. Uh, got no clue what this is. It's apparently... AEW's Monday night show at 7 o'clock, and it's called AEW Dark Elevation. And the big show is here. The big show is going to do commentary on Dark Elevation, by the way. Uh, and the big show's AEW gimmick is no more BS. And this is literally just WCW without all the talent. Um, and also, big show said AEW is hiring a Hall of Famer on Sunday. That means it's either Hulk Hogan or Disco Inferno. Those are my two guesses. Uh, it better be Disco Inferno, a.k.a. Glenn Gilberti, because I would actually watch AW every single week for Glenn Gilberti, because that man is the greatest W... <laughs> he's, great, he's the best part of WCW after the NWO thing got ooh, t- tiring. He was the only dude. He's a disco guy. He was amazing. You guys should go look up Disco Inferno. He's got a podcast, too. I need to get Disco Inferno on my podcast. Um, then we had Nyla Rose versus... Rio or Rio, Rio, sorry, whatever. Uh, 
Vicky Rowe is here too. AEW's just hiring everybody that WWE's ever had. Honestly, didn't really watch a lot of this match. Uh, AEW really needs to use the Impact Women's talent because there's a whole lot of it there. Jazz is there. Uh, Jazz can't really. She's not as good as wrestling. Good at wrestling as she used to be, but she's an old name from the Attitude Era, which casual fans would know. Casual fans really ain't gonna know who these Japanese people are. Just being honest. Um, there's a documentary about the TNT crew. You know, Kenny, Ch- uh, Shaq, Chuck, and da, 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 Ernie. Um, <laughs> so, uh, an appa- of course, during this, during the, the women's match, they're showing the AW Dark results. And I don't really like Orange Cassidy that much, but a lot of people like him. He's pretty entertaining. And they had him on Dark. Why was Orange Cassidy on Dark? I don't understand. The first hour of the show was amazing. You might have you you might have needed Orange Cassidy on the show to help out the ratings, but whatever. Um. Uh, Rio kicked out of a finisher. I'm pretty sure in a weekly show. Why would they do that? But whatever. Um. Also, she knows sort of suplex off the top rope. And then she won the match. So, <laughs> at the pay-per-view, they're going to have two women who casual fans really don't know. But okay, I'm cool with it. I I mean, personally, I didn't. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I think AEW's women's champion is actually very good. They're pretty good. I, I really, didn't keep up with, really didn't keep up with Riho. But I was a fan of Rio. Or, however... Their names are too similar, but the 98-pounder that JR just called the 98-pounder the whole time. Um, I liked her. She was pretty good in the ring. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker. I maybe get behind that. Behind her. Who knows? Uh, but they should really just use Impact's women's talent. Jordan Grace, very good. Jazz, a name that uh, casual fans would know from the 90s. Uh, Dr. <laughs> not Dr. Tanila Dashwood, uh, a.k.a. Emma. WWE fans kind of know who she is. You got a lot of pretty good women's talent over there. Uh, Kiara Hogan, I really don't like her. Or, actually, I do like her. She's pretty good. Um, um, I can't think of her partner's name right now off the top of my head. I don't really like her partner. But, you know, it's it's whatever. Kiara Hogan's pretty good. Uh, she's in a pretty good... She's in a good tag team with that other girl. But, AEW needs to use the Impact Women's Division. That's just my hope on it. Um, so now we came out, we have Sting. Oh, Jesus, Sting. So Tony Schiavone does the, <laughs> itch, Sting. He does the weird thing he does when he has to mention Sting. And Sting's entrance is really too much. Ain't nobody want to see the snow thing every time he comes out, but whatever. Um, he doesn't even do anything half the time. He's at least doing stuff now. Why does it feel like 60 were... And this is before this actually happened. Why does it... I wrote down, why does it feel like Sting's gonna... Why does it feel like 61-year-old Sting is just gonna bury a young talent? And then Ricky Starks comes out, aka some no-name, and talks to Sting and lies to him. He said, Sting, you've looked as... You you still got it. Sting doesn't still have it. Dodie Schiavone also said, Sting looks better than he ever has in his life. Lie. Please stop telling these lies to him. Um, Sting uh, locks Ricky Starks in the, shar- in the sharpshooter, a.k.a. the Scorpion Deathlock is what Sting calls it. And then uh, Ricky Starks taps out. Like, he's completely tapping out. He got he also got the Stinger, sta- Stinger Splash before this. Uh, 
it's all cool if AEW buries young talent, but it's not cool if WWE buries that young talent. You know what I'm saying? And then Brian Cage comes out and he tries to powerbomb Sting. He does the NWO cigarette thing, puts it down on him before he can do it. But then Darby Allen comes in and ruins everything. I really wanted to stay, see Sting get powerbombed again. Darby Allen comes out to save Sting. I don't really like the pairing of Darby and Sting. I do like Darby Allen. I do like Sting, but I don't like the pairing of those two. I don't really know why. It just seems a little too forced, but whatever. I'd rather have a match between Darby and Sting than have them tag together in a street fight. Uh, so yeah. So then we had Dark Orders 10 versus Max. Once again, I know why Luke Harper's son is out here, or Brody Lee's son. I know why he's out here, but we don't have to use him every week, AEW. Uh, it just doesn't make sense of why... A 12-year-old is out here leading a group of wrestlers. Uh, it doesn't make sense, but okay. Uh, I understand why they're doing it, but I still just don't know why he's out here. Um, Max thinks he's R-Truth, and he thinks he can rap, but he's really not that cool. Uh, Scorpio Sky's on commentary, like Scorpio Sky. Good. like it. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly haven't been paying attention to AEW that much, but they, men- they mentioned the, br- the brass ring on commentary. I don't know if that's uh the what the winner of the ma- winner of the face of the revolution or whatever ladder match gets if they win, but that's a classic WWE term. Um, I wasn't really wasn't watching this match, and I just wrote down Impact needs to buy out Kenny King from his ROH contract because Impact needs Kenny King back. That man's a legend in the biz, in my opinion. Not a, like a legend, legend, but legend in my business. <laughs> The first hour of the show, I I really liked the first hour of the show. The rest, I really didn't care about. It, it was boring. Um, uh, Max won off a boombox shot from the help of Jack Evans. Uh, they really pushing AW Dark because they keep telling me to watch it. Um, and Miro said he's gonna stop playing games. Thank the Lord, Miro. Well, you were a powerhouse in WWE for a little bit, and you hadn't done anything in AEW. In fact, they just booked you in the same storyline. They said, hey, you're going to be involved in a wedding. Whatever. And then we had Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn versus John Silver and Hangman Adam Page. Um, I really don't care. This is, this is about when I start hitting my ceiling uh, with AEW uh, before I start making 30,000 notes about matches. Uh, I ho- I was hoping Matt Hardy was going to win. Uh, once again, AEW tag matches have no tag rules. Adam Page won. The Dark Order is led by a kid. AEW ends with a massive brawl. And it's probably the best episode I've watched of AEW, personally. I think it was just because of Shaq and Tully Blanchard that I liked it. But still a good show, in my opinion. Because the old guys won and the old... Old guys rule, uh, new, 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 new world order. We need the NWO to come back and just take out all the young talent. Or we just need the main event mafia back. We need Sting, Scott Steiner, Booker T, and Kurt Angle uh, to come in AEW and tear the place up. Um, but uh, that's going to be it for the 3-Ball Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, stay safe. Peace out.